The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt out on assignment in Kearney today as uh, he's got some major dad duties today watching uh, the little guy play some uh, summer Legion baseball. I'll be out in the baseball fields tomorrow getting some umpiring action in, but Chris is uh, enjoying the beautiful weather we got here in southeastern Nebraska today as a high 70s, sunny, beautiful change of pace after the rain we've seen the past couple days. Got a treat in store today as uh, for the full show today, we will be joined by the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, uh, also joining us via live stream. So if you want to check out our beautiful faces, check it out, ESPNLincoln.com, uh, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter page, Facebook page. That's where you see us, Elijah Herbal, joined by Bill Dolman for the show today. Bill, I mean, weather in southeastern Nebraska is nice, but I got to get the, the weather check in from Denver. My abs are playing tonight in St. Louis, not in Denver, but is it feeling like hockey weather out in Denver today or are we feeling like summer? No, that was last week. Uh, last week we had that big snowstorm mm-hmm. uh, on my daughter's graduation day. Uh, the weather today is much like it is in Nebraska, although I'm guessing you have a lot more humidity than we will ever have out here. Uh, but it is a gorgeous day, and it is odd to be thinking about hockey weather. And we're not even close to the Stanley Cup finals, which everybody out here in Denver is expecting Colorado to uh to to win but uh, we're going to be at least another month before that's all decided now i'm a little disappointed though that uh we've had plenty of notice that i'm going to be co-hosting the show but Mm -hmm. yet it was not my name on the promo it's still chris schmidt and uh, you're not going to be honest about the suspension the suspension i thought i thought thought we were sweeping that under the rug i thought we were sweeping that under the rug Oh, okay. <laughs> the, yeah, the suspension yeah. and fine. Watching his son play baseball at Carney. I've heard that a million times before. <laughs> we all know that Chris got in, in uh, trouble. That's why I'm here. Yeah, the, the, the old classic uh, going to go spend more time with family <laughs> as uh, they resign yeah. from the job. That's yeah. classic. <laughs> yeah, we, we wish uh, we wish Carson well, though. Hope his team does uh, does well out in Carney. I got to ask you, though. You, I, I knew that you dabbled with the umpiring stuff, right? Mm hmm. Have you read that John Higgins article? All the you know, you know the the uh, the NCA basketball official who lives up in yes, Omaha. Yes, I did about the the shortage of officials because he was talking about his son getting like uh, verbally abused by coaches while uh, well, but, in his, like his first but, couple games as a basketball referee. Yeah, right? but but then he, but then they they had a shortage of of officials at at an AAU tournament. So John comes in out of the stands or something mm-hmm. and officiated a couple of games and then got berated by this by this coach for this team who's what a 15 year olds or something like this 
and you got some AAU coach berating one of the top officials in college basketball and has been. I mean, I'm trying to think. I, John Higgins was doing games when I was calling Big 12 basketball, so the 90s, early 2000s. So 30, he's been at 30 the plus years. Level. Yeah. He has been at the highest level of college basketball, has done the Final Four, has done the championship games for 20 plus years. And you've got some AAU coach trying to berate him and thinking that he knows more about the game. I mean, I I don't know how you, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, I might like to make a little bit of money on the side every now and then doing something and being involved in sports and helping kids. I, I don't know how you, let alone John Higgins can do it. Uh, that's a good question. There's a, there's a in one ear out the other that you kind of have to, to, to deal with at times where he even mentioned in the article where he was walking out of that AAU tournament. And after being braided by a coach, I mean, the fans see that they, they actually don't know all that much about the sport, but they see a coach get unhappy and they assume the coach is right. So they'll just follow right along, which I'll get into in just a second. But, uh, he was talking about how he was leaving the game and some basketball mom as he's walking out says, what do you even know about basketball? And he just said, let it go in one ear out the other and held his tongue. And that's sometimes what you got to do because I made a, a correct call earlier this year. Coach was very unhappy with it. Um, it was essentially the kid that was out on third went out and grabbed a, a ball that hadn't been declared foul yet. And I called him out for interference. Correct call, by the way, I might add. I got it right. <laughs> and as uh, I'm walking away, it's a double header. I'm going and changing from my plate gear into my base gear for, uh, for game two. And I uh, get a couple moms going, you're effing terrible. What do you know? And you just... You let it go. You, you walk away and you say, I made the right call. I, I can go pull up on the rule book for you, but I won't because it won't affect your opinion of me. And who really cares at the end of the day if you don't like my call, if I know I make the right call. And then that's some of the aspect you have to have. And I think it also translates to radio as well whenever you get people saying, no, you're wrong about this. You're wrong about this. You have to let it go in one, out the, in one ear out the other and just decide yeah, I, I, my opinion is the opinion to, that I matters. I don't have to worry about that because as, as, we've, as has been proven for many years, I've been right about just about everything <laughs> I've ever talked about. Um in my opinion, but anyway, I don't know how you do it. And I sure cannot. I would like to follow up. Who's who's the who was the coach? In what's been the, uh, the the aftermath of you know nobody's ever mentioned who he is, but you 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 were telling one of the top officials in college basketball that he doesn't know what he's talking about because you're a Saturday afternoon wannabe, and. I'd like to know what what's been the aftermath for him. I'm sure we'll never know, but but still, that's that's kind of how my mind works. Well, there's, there's a reason there's a, a shortage of officials in the state. I mean, yeah, I, I do baseball. I Baseball's it. no differently. I mean, the 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 pay. If I will mention this real quick, the pay in Nebraska is not as good as states around. Uh, if you want to start solving the umpire shortage, if anyone's listening in positions of power, that's one great way to do it. I can drive to Kansas City and make an extra. 35 bucks i mean the gas will cost me 50 but i'll make it how about this how about making the there. parents do it making them go stand make, behind the plate yeah yeah you want your kid to play then you get out there and you do it part part of the deal is that um if you want to save some money how about this because it's not cheap to be in those those youth sports anymore mm-hmm. right I mean, it used to be you signed up and you played Friday night at the Cordy or Knuckles Field in Fairbury. You played once or twice a week Little League Baseball, and that was that. But now you're, you're talking thousands of dollars to be on some of these select local teams, let alone select travel teams. Okay, you want to save a little bit of money, you get to be an umpire. 
Okay? You got to know the rule book and you're going to take a test, but you got to get out there. And then you got to listen to your peers, your parental peers complain, bitch and moan, <laughs> all of that. Okay? And you got to put up with it. But you'll save a little bit of money. I mean, okay. all, all while you're taking you're taking foul tips to the legs, you're taking foul tips to the arm. Yep. That's what they don't yep. realize out there is every single time a pitch is coming in, you know there's a, a good possibility this thing could hurt really, really bad. I mean, I got a, a giant bruise on my leg. I won't show the stream because it's pretty nasty looking, but just a giant bruise on my leg from where I took a, a pitch right off the shin, and no one cares about that. But I, yeah, I digress. Yeah. We've we've spent, what, the first seven minutes of the show here talking <laughs> about youth sports umpiring. Uh, but we can stick on the baseball path and, and head up to Omaha, where Purdue has been eliminated from the Big Ten tournament, two and done. And Purdue, obviously, a, a big name here in the state this week because of what they did last Saturday. I saw jokes uh, on Twitter yesterday about uh, the Purdue coach complaining about starting the game because there was clouds in the sky and didn't want to start the game. So, <laughs> well, uh, I was going to say they they got beat, they lost because I mean the it's hard to get motivated to play with the weather you have in Nebraska. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it you know I've I watched a little bit of the tournament on the Big Ten Network, not much, trust me. I didn't watch a lot of it. I, I was just kind of curious, and it looked just awful. And I could see where Purdue's like, I don't know if we can play in this kind of weather. I mean, it's it's. All, it, it's home now, and it's pleasant now. But within the next six, eight days, it could get bad. So we need to probably there, there's, let's just get out of here while we can. There's rain within a 500-mile radius of Omaha. <laughs> How are they going to play that game? And, and I, I, I personally am in the boat here. We've talked with a couple people this week, and that's really what – uh, most of the show is going to be here today. It's we, we had a, a busy week of Husker football news from balloons to Husker baseball season ending, transfer portal, all that. And uh, we're just going to wrap it up, get Bill Dolman's take on it. Uh, the pride of February always comes with good takes, and I've been looking forward to talking to him all week. So we're going to go a, a little bit rapid fire per segment, hit some different topics. Uh, we also have Steve uh, Merritt coming up here in about 10 minutes as uh, we're going to talk some of those Husker baseball transfers and uh, a good story he wrote up for Hale Varsity Magazine today. That's all coming up, but but Bill, just as we hit rapid fire here, my instant reaction on Saturday to Purdue was, well, I mean, I, I'm not surprised they were trying to skirt around the game. They knew full well that if they did not play that game, there was nothing Nebraska could do to make it into the Big Ten tournament. If that game was not played, they were into the Big Ten tournament. And for a, a Purdue team this year, just making the Big Ten tournament was a success for them. And I think you can see that with how their first two games went, losing both of them. Just making it was their goal. And... I don't necessarily blame them for saying, you know what, we got weather in the area. If at all possible, let's make sure this game doesn't get played. Is it sporting? Is is it uh, no. a stand-up decision? Not by any means, but with the current nature of sports, I don't think I I necessarily – if I put myself in, in the shoes of the Purdue baseball program is what I'll say, I don't necessarily think I would make a different decision. That's gonna, But that is going to stick with them for a long time. I mean, that is going to be – it's it's a reputation right now, and that's not going to go away. Now, is Purdue baseball, Big Ten baseball, is that a big uh, headline getter? No. But for those who follow it passionately, that is going to college baseball, that, that's going to linger with them. And if the weather was going to be bad, you could have moved that game from 1 o'clock start time to 11 a.m. to 12 
but you could have moved that back. You could have played that. And and the reason this sticks with me is let's go back, what, now a year and a half, two years ago, who wanted to play college football? Who wanted to play? Nebraska wanted to play. Did Nebraska have a great season in what was that, 2020? No. But Nebraska was out there saying, look, we are going to do everything we possibly can in the face of whatever's going on with this pandemic thing to make sure that our players and our personnel are safe, that the opponents are safe, travel is safe, we're not going to have fans, but we want to play football. And we will do everything in our power to do this because not just is it important for us to play, but psychologically for our fans, for our state, for our country, it was healthy to have that diversion on a sense of normalcy. I mean, I'm taking this to a really big picture away from Purdue not wanting to play baseball on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon so they could sneak into the Big Ten tournament. But Nebraska has a has it in their mind, in their heart, in their makeup. And I'm talking about this collectively. Let's play. Let's do whatever we can to do what we're here to do, and that's to play. And Nebraska got hammered for it. Scott Frost got hammered for it. Desmond Howard, the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, wanted Nebraska to be kicked out of the league. How dare Nebraska want to play? But Nebraska was right. And again, we didn't go 8-0. We didn't go 4-4. Four and four. Uh, We were sub-500. Did not have a good year. But Nebraska was out there saying, we can do this for the good of the program, for the good of society. We can do this. Nebraska led the way. You go back, Nebraska played that extra innings game at Illinois a couple of weeks ago. So it bugs me a little bit when, well, we can't move the game ahead two hours. You could have got, we're going to play at 11 and it's going to be a seven inning game, but we're going to do whatever we can to get whatever game we're going to play in and earn our way in big, into Big Ten baseball. So to tell Nebraska folks we just couldn't get it done, tell that to somebody else. Tell that to the folks in Boulder, okay, because they'll probably listen. But Nebraska, yeah, Will Bolt's right. It's all on you. You should have won. You should have won two or three more games and gotten in, but you didn't. But to back out the way it was, you know, Texas A&M had that issue or uh, two, three weeks ago when they canceled the game with, yeah. was it Texas State? Yeah. So this isn't just a Purdue thing. And I was really disappointed because I love Jim Schlossnagel. I think he's one of the great guys in college sports and worked, you know, done many games with him over the years. So to see Texas A&M back out of that, that was really disappointing. But it seems to be this symptomatic thing that had they played that game A&M and lost, then they're not in the what the what the, the contention to host a regional, and if they'd won that game, they, their RPI would have gone down. So they just say we're not going to play. Well, you know what? Play. You got to play. You put it on the book. Play. Well, I, I look back to to Nebraska's game against Illinois a couple weeks ago, where right. they, they didn't. They I mean they, the game ended up going first pitch till the last out was eight nine hours something like that because all the right. rain delays in the middle. Nebraska could have at any point said. You know what? To pack it up. We're not going to finish this game. We didn't get a fully complete gameplay. Like the game's still tied. We'll just end it here. Nebraska could have done that, and if that would have happened, looking back, as opposed to the loss, Nebraska's winning percentage would have gotten them over Purdue on that final week. So that's where it does rub me a little bit wrong. But I, 
I don't think I can fault Purdue. I, I can, and it's going to stick with him. I, I think you're right, but it could have moved the game back two hours, one I mean, hour, they, they seven innings. About it where uh, the the coach said they didn't feel like they needed to play a doubleheader on Friday because they thought they'd get the game in on Saturday, and they they did. It was it was clear looking back they were skirting that game. Right. That, that's that's right. clear. That's clear. They could. The, the weather said the weather was that the rain wasn't going to come in until later in the afternoon. So make a deal with who would they play? Michigan or Michigan? Because mm-hmm. Nebraska's playing Michigan State. Okay, we're going to play eleven o'clock, and we're going to play seven innings, but we're going to get it in because that's the Big Ten way. The rugged iron conference schools. No, we're not going to play. We'll uh, we'll check in with doesn't work for me. We'll check in with Steve Merrick, get his thoughts on this, as well as some uh, Husker baseball outgoing transfers. That's coming up after the break, and a little bit later, we'll get Bill Dolman's take on some balloons. That's all coming up here as uh, <laughs> Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal joined by Bill Dolman. Steve Merrick is next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Rolling through a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal here in the studios of ESPN Lincoln, driving the ship, running the show as Bill Dolman joins from his sofa in Denver. I'm sure Bill working hard out there. Bill's giving me the look of, of confusion here. My sofa? I mean, I've, I've built a studio for this, uh, this gig every Friday. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for that, Bill. As uh, <laughs> Bill Dolman, pride of Fairbury, joining us for a full Friday edition. We're excited to be joined here by Steve Mark, Hale Varsity uh, magazine writer, author, covers Husker baseball, Husker football. We're going to dive into both topics here today with Steve. But Steve, before we get to that, uh, we talked about most of the first segment here and something that's been uh, really hit on on Twitter by Husker fans, both uh, Husker baseball, Husker football, whatever you like, has been the Purdue baseball team. They avoided a game on Saturday, got them into the Big Ten tournament, and in the Big Ten tournament, they have gone 0 for 2. Something about it does feel uh, like poetic justice, as some Husker fans have said on Twitter. I want to get your reaction to this. Was Purdue in the wrong? And, and what did you make of their performance in the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, um, so I don't really know if um, I'm on the majority on this, but I'm of the thinking that um, Nebraska should have never really – put the situation upon themselves and, and had to be hoping at the end of the season for a game to be played. Right. I mean, I, I think I, I covered Trev Albers, Nebraska's athletic director, his appearance on sports nightly earlier this week. And he uh, basically said the exact same thing. And I couldn't agree with him more. Um, and, you know, I, I just think if Nebraska wanted to get into the big 10 conference tournament and, you know, play and and not have to worry and and have to you know be sweating at the end of the season they need to play better and I think Will Bolt will be probably the first one to tell you that much so 
um, yeah, I, I, I did see that uh, Purdue did fall. Um, they they went 0-2 in the in the tournament. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's kind of kind of sweet poetic justice there, especially for a lot of Husker fans who weren't big uh, Purdue fans that Saturday. So. Steve Marks with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Steve, uh, let's get to some Husker baseball here. As it wasn't the season the Huskers had hoped for, and uh, you talked about not sure if your, your uh, opinion's in the majority here. That, that's how I feel here with uh, this, this Husker baseball team. With uh, Part of me is almost glad they didn't make the Big Ten tournament, despite the fact that it was in Omaha, because it, it was a season from hell for this Husker baseball team. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. It, it feels a little bit... Uh, like a weight off the shoulders now that the season is over. They can rebuild, look to the future, and uh, and come out with with a completely different team next year. And that's what we've seen in, in the days since this Husker baseball season has ended. Seven outgoing transfers already announced, and with a large crop of, of JUCO guys coming in, that's not entirely unexpected. But some of the names that I think are included in the outgoing transfers uh, are a little bit surprising. I look at Leighton Banjoff. That name is a little bit surprising to me, as well as Cam Chick. And even though Cam isn't graduating, he's not going to be returning for another season with Husker baseball. I, I want to get your reaction to some of those names. Not necessarily the, the names I was expecting of guys that were buried on the depth chart, couldn't find a way to, to make it into a bad team. It's not necessarily those guys. There's some returning starters that aren't going to be back with this Husker baseball team, too. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, bringing up those guys who entered their names in the transfer portal. Leighton Banjoff, like you said, was one of the one of the big ones. And also, the one that caught my eye was Braxton Bragg as well. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, he, he uh, you know, did pretty well on the mound for the Huskers. At, um, just, you know, a, a three-point year three-something ERA, had a really great strikeout-to-walk ratio. Um, so, yeah, that was another one that kind of surprised me. But, you know, at the end of the day, there just needs to be, you know, a, a, a roster flip at the end of the day. And I think that Will Bolt really um, is kind of showing that right now with, you know, as these players do their exit interviews and, and kind of talk about the season and, and kind of plan for the future, uh, you're going to see um, all these guys entering the transfer portal as well as, a lot of the a lot of these JUCO guys that are that are that they're bringing them, I think the number is up to ten right now, um, along with Blake Mosley, who's the most recent one, and and Zach Johnson, the former Miller North guy, who's been kind of tearing it up at Southeast Community College over here. So, um, yeah, something really needed to be changed. So I guess you know when when you see names like Braxton Bragg and Leighton Banjoff as some of the guys that are in the transfer portal, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised because you know just at the end of the day. You know, things needed to be changed. Um, change needed to be happened. And so I, I just think that, you know, we shouldn't be too surprised um, about um, who, who all is coming and going. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of my, my thoughts on the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, it's sad to see uh, Leighton and, and, and Braxton, especially those two, go because I think those are really two talented guys. Steve, here, before we get to some uh, – actually, Bill, jump ahead of me. Go for it. Steve, my question about this Nebraska baseball team this season, well, my, my biggest fear going into it was the headlines were too glaring as to how great last year was and how good this year was going to be and that they would you know, post those headlines. And I think that they probably read into them way, way too much. But the, the, I think the most disappointing thing for me is what happened to the it Last year, watching that team through the second half of the conference season to the to the conference championship and in the NCAA tournament and that gutty, gritty, mm. enjoyable performance at Arkansas when they just came up short of going to Omaha, but everybody was so proud of that team and their approach and their chemistry. How did they lose it, the it factor, so quickly that 
all of that momentum and chemistry went away. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. The the thing that I kind of um, comes to mind with me with in regards to that is I, I, I just think that some of the guys that they lost from that team, um, maybe that leadership just meant a lot more to the program as a whole and to that culture than everyone kind of originally thought, right? I mean, just going into last season, you know, it was a it was a veteran led team and full of guys who have played a lot of baseball been around a long time and they just made magic happen especially at the end at the end of the season and, and made everybody proud of them and and they had a heck of a run but you know with with some of those guys gone the the swollen box you know it it's <laughs> i just don't think that they had a replacement for that and and going into this season i don't think that you know people really thought that that it was going to be a big um that big of a deal i guess or that big of a loss um but i i think it ended up being um exactly that so uh, that's that's going to be another thing for this program to try to regain is is to find guys, um, and you know it's going to be interesting to see what guys like uh, Griffin Everett and Kyle Perry, two veterans, two seniors, two um, leaders of the team, what they decide to do at the end of the at the end of the season because at, or after the season here because they need to get some of that it back, like you said, um, and and fi- find guys and find leadership who can kind of step into the roles that they did a couple seasons ago. Steve, I also look at the the early season struggles for this Husker baseball team. Is last season they didn't have any non conference opponents, and they, they got off to a hot start in Big Ten play. And I think momentum so important in baseball. And this year, you look back, uh, Huskers losing three of four to Sam Houston. Uh, they get swept by TCU. Uh, they lose a couple to UT Arlington. Just just a, a rough start to the season for Husker baseball. I think that could be a contributing factor. But I want to look ahead here a little bit. This year's offense looks so much different than last year. We're, we're used to Will Bolt led team teams being uh, teams that score runs via small ball. They generate runs. They steal bases. And the, the team this year looked completely different from pitching to hitting. I mean, it felt like the offense was pretty reliant on the long ball in, in most games this season. Do you think that part of this this roster flip that's going to be happening this year for, for Will Bolt is going to be getting back to a, a style of baseball that he's more comfortable with, the, the quote-unquote Bolt ball, which is uh, more closely resembled to a, to a small ball baseball team? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's a good point. Um, just you know, looking at some of the guys coming in, they all they all have hit pretty well in the junior college ranks, especially with the JUCO guys coming in. So, um, yeah, I think that it'd be probably probably smart for for Bolt to try to just like try to recreate what happened a couple of seasons ago and, and get back to what worked. Um, because yeah, like you said, they they weren't doing a lot of things um, that that they did a couple of seasons ago during that long stretch. So I'm, yeah, I'm definitely looking for a lot of small ball um, type stuff, a lot more bunning, a lot more um, steals, um, things like that. Just trying to get, get the ball moving, get the, get the line going here. And um, yeah, it's, I, I just think that getting back to what got him there and, and what uh, went well for the program um, is definitely the way to go. Steve Marks with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Steve, uh, shift gears to, uh, to football. As you put up a, a pretty good story on Twitter today. You can find Steve on Twitter at Steve underscore Mark. And, and Steve, your story was the most impactful transfers on Nebraska's schedule. You spent uh, a lot of time over the past few months here talking about the transfers that are coming in to Husker football. But it's not like Nebraska is the only school in the country getting transfers. And I don't feel like I hear all that much about the, the other incoming transfers to, to Big Ten schools. But uh, you, you did a a deep dive into this, looking at some of the guys who could be impactful for the teams on Nebraska's schedule this year. Can you give us a, a quick synopsis of your story today and what you found? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I, I definitely was kind of in the same boat with you. I, I wanted to, 
you know, we all know who's coming in here to Nebraska, but what about like, you know, the, the opponents that Nebraska is going to be playing, what do those rosters look like? And so I just kind of, you know, dove into the numbers and, and found who was coming and going with Nebraska's opponents. And I found some guys, you know, just kicking off with uh, Northwestern that week zero game. It's, you know, to me, it's going to be Ryan Johnson. Uh, he's a, he's a defensive lineman from Stanford. He played most of his um, college career, four seasons, I believe, at, at Stanford as a defensive lineman. And he's going to be, in my opinion, really, really important for the Wildcats defense that loses a ton of playmakers at all three levels, the D-line, the linebacker, linebacking core and then the defensive back um, room Northwestern does. So, uh, yeah, that was just uh, one. And then obviously um, with Oklahoma uh, coming to town to Lincoln, which is going to be a pretty crazy day here here in the city, um, top pick has got to be, in my opinion, uh, Dylan Gabriel, the, the Central Florida quarterback who uh, transferred over to Norman. And he's got he's with his old offensive coordinator and Jeff Levy from his uh, freshman year at UCF, too. Um, I, I really like Dylan. I, I think he's a really fun quarterback to watch, he, and he's kind of the perfect quarterback for what uh, Levy wants to do on offense, which is you know just snap it as basically as fast as you can and 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 make plays down the field. So uh, yeah, um, Indiana. There's new quarterbacks on the schedule too that Nebraska has, hasn't really seen. Indiana's probably going to be starting. It's my guess that Connor Bazelak's going to win the job over there um, in Bloomington, and he's going to be coming coming. Um, and, and leading an Indiana offense, and he spent his uh, past two seasons at Missouri, and he was a co co SEC freshman of the freshman of the year um, a couple seasons ago. Uh, so yeah, Rutgers has a really good um, receiver that spent most of his career at Syracuse, caught a lot of balls, a lot of a lot of receiving yards over at Syracuse. But now he's coming back home to Rutgers. He's from that um, area of the of the country in New Jersey and uh, Purdue too. Um, Purdue loses a lot, a lot of production especially at the receiver uh, position and that that's an offense that would be fun for a receiver to play in because they get all sorts of balls thrown their way but Tyrone Tracy is a is a guy who I think is going to be stepping into a bigger role especially um, when when it came out after the news with uh, Milton Wright who was a really good receiver for them last year he's he's academically ineligible um, this upcoming season so um, they're going to need other guys to step up in, in the receiver room at Purdue for Jeff Rom and I think uh, Tyrone Tracy, a former Iowa Hawkeye, is going to be that guy. And maybe my most favorite, if we had to pick a favorite here, my most favorite transfer on the schedule here is coming with Illinois. Uh, Illinois is going to have a new quarterback right now, and he's going to pump a little bit of life into that offense, I think, with uh, Tommy DeVito. He's coming from Syracuse as well. So, uh, yeah, it's a dual-threat guy. Um, Illinois' offense um, – has a new offensive coordinator with Barry Looney Jr. He's coming from Texas San Antonio. Um, he, he runs a, a up-tempo spread offense, and I think a guy like Tommy DeVito, he's he's an older veteran guy who's played a lot of a lot of football at Syracuse. He's 6'2", 210 pounds, and and can run too. So that that makes that game even more interesting, considering Nebraska has, has had some trouble with Illinois um, lately. So uh, yeah, it was just a really fun thing to do, and I encourage a lot of people to go and, and check it out. There he is, Steve Mark, joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Find him on Twitter at Steve underscore Mark. Make sure to check out that new article. Quite uh, interesting, a good read for you on your uh, your Friday. And Steve, appreciate the time today. We'll, we'll get caught up next week. All right, thanks, Roger. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, 
our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal joined by Bill Dolman for this Friday uh, afternoon edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt on the road out in Kearney. He will be back in for the uh, Saturday morning edition tomorrow morning here locally on ESPN Lincoln at 7 to 9 a.m. And uh, available shortly after that for our listeners across the state in podcast form. That is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play uh, YouTube, the Hail Varsity YouTube page, you can check it out there. Really, however you like it in your podcast, you can check out Hail Varsity Radio. There's uh, Bill Dolman laughs long. We we really have all our bases covered in terms of podcasting, Bill. It was like it was like you were speaking a different language there. It's it's just there's I, I mean I can't believe how many different podcasting platforms there are like to use. Uh, I did a podcast with my brother, would have been a couple of years ago, and it was just like what. This uh, this service here gets you up on Spotify, but this one here gets you up on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, and you have to like sift through it all because there's just like a, a multitude. And and here at Hale Varsity Radio, we like to serve the people. Whatever you like to listen to your podcast to, we're going to get you uh, the podcast version on that. If you like a podcasting service and it doesn't have Hale Varsity Radio, reach out Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We'll effort to get it up on any platform that uh, you so choose. And we're, we're here for the people, Bill. That's that's what we do the show for. Uh, are, do people still listen to the radio? Are you still on, are you still on the radio? Uh, That's... Among my generation, I think there's there's more people listening to this show in podcast form than, than on the radio. But uh... hey, here's a, here's a question for you: Are are you and uh, Schmitty and Steve and Greg Smith? You all uh, like you have to take shifts and pour drinks at the Hale Varsity Club? Uh, I actually was was hoping to check out the Hale Varsity Club here soon. I haven't had the chance to, and uh, I know uh, Chris is going to have a uh, a live show from the Hale Varsity Club here at the end of June. As, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say he's got a special table. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's he's Chris got a special table. tap for 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 him only. But uh, yeah, I, I saw that. Open. I thought may uh, they're going to cut down their you know their their costs by making everybody you know do a little uh, bartending too in addition to being on the air and writing stories well it's it's right up there in the south end of omaha and i'm hoping to go check it out i was hoping to go check it out tonight as i'm going to be up in uh, omaha uh watching uh, yeah. i'm watching the, nice. the avalanche game tonight with some uh, some blues friends so i'm hoping it ends up being a a painful night for them and a happy night for me we, we shall see on that one as uh, well now that you guys got rid of their goaltender that certainly has uh, made a big difference in that series so well done on that i'm d- sure all you abs people are happy with what you did to jordan bennington they they knocked out sam gerard the same game with I mean, two, <laughs> both of the hits were were questionable neither of them were ended up being uh, anything from the nhl so no all's fair love and hockey no harm no foul just don't play a game when it might rain six hours later that that's what we'll uh, we'll crucify you for that one. But as long as you're just knocking out goalies and under the uh, the rules of the game, we're all good. We're all good right. there. Bill uh, here with this segment as a uh, man already under five minutes left to go in this segment. I want to get into the scheduling that we had this year for Nebraska football. We had Steve Mark on last segment discussing Dylan Gabriel, the transfer to Oklahoma. I'm really excited to see him. And personally, I, I don't mind the fact that that game is going to be played at 11 a.m. here in Lincoln because. 
as time goes on, Bill, that's become the, the true primetime slot of college football. Not, it's not 7 o'clock anymore. 7 o'clock still carries weight, but 11 a.m. is the slot you, you really want to be, and that's where you get the national eyes because everyone wakes up, and the first thing they can do, they make breakfast, clean it up, do a little Saturday morning cleaning, and you can flip on the TV and watch college football because, I mean, me personally, being a, a young 20-something, when do all my friends make plans but Saturday night? It's 8.30. They're like, oh, come over to my place. Got a, a bonfire going out back, and I go, but – We've got college football until 11. You know, to me, again, looking at it differently than everybody else, this is a Fox victory. Fox decided, what, four, five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was, when they were decided we're going to do the big Monday, uh, big uh, Saturday kickoff, and they were going to go head-to-head with ESPN game day, and they were going to do their show – at, and it was a it was a marketing strategy that because they'd lost every other battle against ESPN mm-hmm. with their you know they wanted to do their 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 sports show and they brought the the two guys down from Canada and then they were going to have Andy Roddick and Donovan McNabb and do have those guys analyze the news and 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 their so their nightly sports show died that didn't work what else what else uh, well college football we've got college football what can we do to go up against ESPN. And the big thing was, let's go at them Saturday morning, and we're going to have the big noon kickoff. And the, so their pregame show, which is pretty good, with Rob Stone and whoever else is on there, everybody who ever played at USC is a co-host. Plus Bob Stoops. Um, yeah, and plus Bob Stoops and soon-to-be Urban Meyer again, mm-hmm. who I think is really good on television. Um, but Fox – did what I think people thought would be impossible, and that is to go up against college game day and and dent it. And I think they've done more than dent it. I think they're, you know, that they may not be right there even up, but they have changed the college football watching landscape by putting prime games on at 11 or 10 o'clock my time, noon Eastern time. Uh, that's Fox getting a win against ESPN and the TV wars. And, yeah, we may not like it, but, you know, when we were arguing about this last year with Nebraska and Oklahoma being on at noon and being a bad time, and I went back and I looked, and, and the major games that Fox was able to put on in that time slot, very, very significant. Uh, Ohio State-Michigan being most notable in that. And going into this season with, the, with that schedule being released the way it was, what was it, yesterday or two days ago? Two days ago, yeah. To me, to me that's a salvo of Fox against ESPN. They're able to promote the red. All those early games are about promoting the games for the rest of the day. And ESPN sets up an okay game usually in that first window and promotes the, you know, the heck out of the later game at in the day. And Fox is able to promote the games that they have coming up in the afternoon and in the evening. And, you know, for whatever people watch of Pac-12 football, um, they're able to promote that more so. So to me, that's not just that's not scheduling what's it mean to the fans. That's a Fox ESPN battle, and Fox is getting the upper hand. And personally, I don't think Husker fans should be bemoaning the fact that you get to go start your tailgate at six a.m. You get a bush light in you by six thirty, you have a Bloody Mary in you by seven. It's yeah, but it's still it's it's the biz- to me it's the businesses. You know, it's it's downtown Lincoln. You know, getting people to be in their in their doors at ten o'clock, nine or ten o'clock making that money and then, you know, kicking off in the afternoon or the evening. It took, to me, I look, I look at it from the business standpoint. Yeah. The fans are going to adjust <laughs> with, with that tailgating going on outside Memorial stadium, Nebraska fans can adjust. 
they know when to start tapping the, you know, their, their beverages and when to start putting the celery in the tomato juice. But for those businesses downtown that can't open their doors at, you know, eight or nine o'clock and have that full day, that's, that's, that's really where it hurts the most. Wrapping up uh, hour one here on Hale Varsity Radio. We'll be back after the break. Your chance at another summer promotion. That's uh, all in the way here on Hale Varsity Radio. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Wrapping up hour one here on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal joined today uh, from beautiful Denver. It's Bill Dolman joining us, the pride of Fairbury. As uh, you can catch Bill. Bill, just tell the people where you can catch him. NBA, NBC Sports, which is now defunct. You're going to have to walk me through this where, where the people can listen to you. Well, I'm right here right now for the most part. Uh, I'm, I'm, this is the slow, this is the slow time of year. I do mostly, uh, you, know, you know, international winter sports and whatnot. So uh, yeah, this is the downtime. I'm just getting to play. <laughs> now, now tell me, uh, we're, we're going to get to some, uh, some racing thoughts here in a, in a second. As you were telling me before the show, it's the, the biggest weekend of racing in, in all of sports. And we'll, we'll get to that here a little bit later, an hour or two. But uh, are, are you a, a soccer guy in any sense because we have the the champions league final coming up tomorrow i'm personally looking forward to it but I tried to bring it up with, with danny burke and with schmitty yesterday and both of them just laughed right in my face no you know i i've tried and and when you go to nbc um and and you're at the the headquarters in stanford connecticut and you know they they go all out on the premier league and there are people in the halls and they've got their, their kits on and their, their scarves and they're all in and all the teams and, and they talk. And I'm like, I really try. I mean, I, I love the crowds. I love the atmosphere. It reminds me of, of playoff baseball in the fall when the majors, you know, go into the uh, AL and NL championship series and the World Series. That's what the crowds remind me of. But I watch and I just cannot get the feeling you know, I respect what they do. I don't think everybody gets hurt all the time. Yeah, I'm a much more of a rugby guy, as you know, and I'll be working a little bit of rugby tomorrow in downtown Denver. But I just can't get into it like, you know, what, and I love NBC and the way they promote it. And their coverage is great. And the Premier League would be would make a huge mistake if they left NBC with some, for some other network. Well, did you know that the Premier League? But um, I don't get it, bro. The, the Premier League, now this doesn't count college football because TV deals with, with conferences are uh, a little bit confusing there. And it's a little hard to gauge what the, the actual total value of college football is to sports networks. But the Premier League is actually the third most valuable sports league in the United States, according to TV rights, only behind uh, the NFL and the I believe NBA. I wasn't, I'm not sure. It's it's either slightly ahead of MLB or slightly ahead of NBA. I can't remember which, which one's second, which one's fourth, Uh, but premier league is the third most valuable in the United States. That that doesn't surprise me. And that's due in large part to what NBC has been able to do with it. I will say this. I do have a soft spot in my heart for soccer because it was the second broadcast I ever did in my career back in 1989. I had done Nebraska baseball in April, and Steve Alvis and Jim Carmichael rest their souls with Nebraska TV. And, of course, Nebraska TV did a wide variety of sports. And, and the second show, they said, we're going to do the state high school soccer championships from Omaha Burke. Nobody around here knows how to do soccer in Nebraska in 1989. Do you want to do it? So I took a, sure, why not? So I took a soccer rule book to my college commencement, (laughs) 
and stuck it under my gown. And while the commencement speaker was talking, I, I read the soccer rule book at, at the Bob Devaney Sports Center. Uh, I watched the 1976 New York Cosmos highlight video. Um, I bought a soccer rules coloring book to get the, the gist of the, the rules of the sport of soccer. I still have them somewhere in my files, just out of posterity. So there is a little bit of a soft spot for the sport of soccer. I did that with Stu Pospisil. Oh, because yeah. again, again, in 1989, nobody in Nebraska knew anything about soccer except those people who were coaching it and playing it. So Stu Pospisil and I did the 1989 Nebraska State High School soccer tournament from Omaha Burke on Nebraska Public Television, and I was able to pull it off thanks to a soccer coloring book, reading the rule book at commencement, and the 1976 New York Cosmos. Bill Dolman, a legend of the sports broadcasting community. <laughs> That's him. He's with us all show today. We'll get his take on the Red Balloons after the break. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity dot com backslash subscribe promo code gbr welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466 espn or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz Back into hour two here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal sitting here alongside Bill Dolman, filling in for Chris Schmidt today, who has this Friday, beautiful Friday afternoon off. He, he picked this one well, I, I will admit, as it's uh, Bill Dolman and Elijah Herbal taking you through the show today. Also available via live stream, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter and Facebook pages is where you check that out. As uh, you can see our beautiful, lovely faces, you can see the... Uh, mess of a studio behind me as uh, we just wrapped up uh, getting in all our uh, names for the uh, let's check it out the make sure I get this right the beef up your backyard giveaway that we've had here on ESPN Lincoln uh, the Smoky Mountain Cooker Smoker was up and uh, gift card to Russ's Market for some delicious meats I'll announce a winner to you as soon as I know it I sent some texts out before the show today asking who won and nobody's gotten back to me yet so as soon as the information is passed along to me I'll pass it along to you uh, but if you were not the winner for the Beef Up Your Backyard giveaway also have a uh, Say Aloha to Summer giveaway as well with help from ESPN Lincoln and Super C you can win a grill a tent chairs cooler portable speaker meat to toss on the grill uh, all that uh, is up for grabs Just enter to win at espnlincoln.com everybody who enters is also automatically qualified to win a 100 super c gift card uh, you can start signing up now contest ends on september 6th runs through the entire summer and uh, all those great things up for grabs as well as that super c gift card good for one tank of gas roughly depending on where you live bill how, how are gas prices in denver about now 
I was just kind of curious if I was eligible to enter and win that. See, my, my, uh, my dad was wondering the same thing. You being on this show is a little bit, I, I think, of a, of a gray area where that kind of might, <laughs> that, that, there might be some problems there. If my dad were to win it, though, I was like, I mean, it's not like I, I'm the one picking the name out of the box. Like, he, if, he, didn't, I, he, didn't, he didn't call in for the beef up your backyard or for this because he assumed it would be some sort of violation. I don't actually know. Is that, is that written in a rule book anywhere? Who can yeah, win promotions? I'm pretty, pretty sure that would not be allowed. I was just wondering maybe if I got myself suspended mm. uh, again and could not come on the show as, you know, you frequently do that to me. Um, maybe I could win that way. Anyway, uh, gas is at, uh, like four. I just walked my dog a little bit ago. We saw, I think it's like 405 in my neighborhood. Yeah, I need to invest in a four hundred nine in, in a nice bike. I feel like I could either buy like three tanks of gas or a halfway decent used bike, and I might just start yeah, biking into yeah. work. It's getting ridiculous. So you get you get closer to downtown Denver, and it's it's closer to four and a half. The uh, wrong places. I'm always amazed by the place. Like you've got one over here that's four hundred five, and then like Caddy Corner, about a half block up, it's it's four seventy two. It's like. Are you not noticing that the guy over here is like <laughs> 70 cents cheaper? And well, there are people filling up over there. Well, and I look and I go, how are you offering it for 70 cents cheaper? Are you watering it down? Are you getting, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, getting yeah, off-brand you know, gasoline? I, like, how's that working? Good question. I, I, I don't understand the gas business one bit. And we got a, a All I know is I was paying a hell of a lot less uh, a couple of years ago than I am paying right now. So uh, we don't go very, this is true. very far as the dog Shaggy heard his name, so now he wants to be on the show. What always shocks me is I can get like 15 minutes outside of Lincoln into one of the small communities around there, and gas is like 15, 20 cents cheaper. And I go, really? Cost you that much more to haul the gas to Lincoln, Nebraska? <laughs> Don't believe yeah. it. Don't believe it. Getting real, getting real sick and tired of gas prices. But I, I digress. Let's get back into sports, Bill. As uh, some people uh, on Twitter this week, I've been getting a little sick and tired of or, or very disappointed in the ending of the balloon release at Nebraska. That was really the the biggest topic of the week this week, which is surprising to me that of all things that we could be talking about on the show this week, that's what's got Husker fans most up in arms is the fact that the balloon release is ending, but it's been written in the cards or it's been, it's been in the cards written in the star, whatever you want to say. It's feels like it's been coming about four or five years now where no no longer than that. They were, they were, they were whispering about that when I was in college and look, it was it it was it cool yeah um i'm a very i'm a traditionalist right you all know that i think people should be wearing black right l shoes single bar face masks you know that kind of thing but this is one well maybe because we don't score in the first quarter as often as we did back in the day you know you got the opening kickoff you got a balloon in the hand the ball gets kicked off dave hum Terry Luck, Vince Ferragamo, Jeff Quinn, Steve Taylor, Keith McCann, Jerry Godowski, Tommy Frazier, whomever, marching down the field, touchdown, and the balloons are released four minutes into the game, right? Mm-hmm. And then everybody can enjoy their Fairbury brand hot dog. Well, apparently Fairbury brand hot dogs aren't even made in Fairbury anymore. So if that's one tradition that's kind of out the window, although they're still named as such, I believe, you look, people don't want to hold on to their balloons until the third and fourth quarter anymore. Uh, you know, I, I don't buy the, I don't necessarily buy the excuse. Let's just say, you know what, we're moving on. We've got a lot of other things that we're going that are going on. Um, people may still bring balloons to the game. I don't know, but the whole thing about there's this, you know, mass graves of dead birds out in Shickley. I didn't <laughs> buy that. I'm not sure I buy that. There's a uh, you know, a helium, just 
we're moving on from it. We've got a lot of other great amenities and traditions and things we're doing in this generation of Nebraska football. Look what we do with the fun Come a Running Boys song, which they, they've moved what, earlier in the game so they can do the Thunderstruck thing um, it, after the third quarter, which is spectacular at, at a night game. Um, so is it going to be – yeah, it, it, that's, it was a great scene to see those balloons go – with 11 minutes to go in the first quarter throughout the 80s and 90s and early, you know, during that generation. But when, when people are hold on to the balloon in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. yeah, or, you know, releasing them after a successful punt coverage. <laughs> after the first, you know, first might, down of the game. Might be time to, you know, to move on. I'm not as, I'm not as been out of shape. I'm more been out of shape. When they wear alternate uniforms at home games, I don't buy in a whole alternate uniforms to begin with. But when you, when Nebraska wore the purple uniforms about five years ago, six years ago, whenever it was, when the when other when another disastrous regime was in charge of Nebraska football, and there's purple and black, or even the black uniforms a couple of years ago to honor the black shirts, and we end up getting smoked in that game. Yeah, it, you know, look, if you're gonna go alternate, do it on the road. But home games at Nebraska, scarlet and cream, and the regular blank, generic, bland, and on the helmet, that's tradition. Those are, that's Nebraska football. Do not mess with it. You're going to wear the alternate Adidas. Okay, send it on the road. We'll pick it up when we get there. But don't bring that stuff at, to a home game. And Nebraska has to maintain its home identity with the way it looks. Bill? Yeah most important what about stripes in the pants i'm not really sure why that's such a big deal i prefer the stripes um i I think they look better but i but people really got kind of been out of shape about that one i'm more in tune with it's got to be scarlet and cream you know i I, and people you know remember well you don't but 1986 we were all red for that oklahoma game and, and lost and people said we can't wear red anymore but we sure as hell can wear purple or all black or whatever weird alternative uniform that they want to come up with the red helmet and all that stuff. No, you know, I've said it before. I remember when I was, I've lived elsewhere and people would turn on a Nebraska game and go, well, who's that playing? Who, what game is? And if you don't, if you can't immediately identify Nebraska within two seconds of looking at a TV screen, then you have done Nebraska. You've done yourself a disservice. It's like Michigan changing theirs or Notre Dame wearing blue helmets or something. you got to stick with what your identity is. That bothers me more than anything. So let the balloons go. Or, and I mean the tradition go. I, I can find the pants, the stripes, okay, but you cannot lose your identity and how you look. Well, letting the balloons go is your best unintentional pun you've had here in weeks. That was good stuff. That was good. That was really good. What yeah. I will say, my, my favorite alternate uniform, before we get to some some more important topics here, was that the, the uniform they wore against Oklahoma, it was simple, looked very much like any other Nebraska uniform, except it had that gray face mask on it. I loved how the gray face mask looks, and I'm, I'm scared to get your take on what you'll say to me here. But I really liked whenever they went with the all-white on the road. And a lot of Husker fans have called those the surrender whites. They don't like the – I think it's a good look, and I think it's much no. better than the stupid no. all-red they wore against Oklahoma. No, no, you're wrong. You're flat-out wrong. That that brings up – look, uh, I, I just said I didn't mind the all-red, and we lost to Oklahoma 17-14 or 20-17. to 17. And, again, part of that's my fault. I could have tackled Keith uh, – Keith, um, 
Jackson on that t- on the tight end <laughs> caught the pass that was right in front of me. I should have tackled him, taken one. Um, but no, because that brings up that conjures up memories of Marv Seiler at Iowa State beating Nebraska after we had you know won uh, beaten Oklahoma ninety four and or ninety two. Beg your pardon. That just no that uh, that doesn't work for me. The all white. The pride of Fairbury and noted traditionalist Bill Dolman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, Bill, this actually gets us into our, our next topic here decently, the, the topic of traditions being traditionalist, because this is the way that college football has been moving this summer, it feels like. It's been away from the traditionalist, which is, the, I, and I guess even for you, this might not be traditionalist. Have the, the conference with divisions uh, splitting the conference into east, west, north, south. Uh, that's been the college football I've known for my entire life. And now a lot of steam moving towards the direction of uh, having a, a pod system or, or even just scrapping divisions altogether and saying, we'll pr- protect a rivalry or two for if you'd like it. Other than that, it's just luck of the draw in the divisions. The two best teams go into the conference title game. And I, I guess I don't remember a, a time before conference title games in college football. That's all I've known since I've been alive. Uh, so I always have to go back and watch the 30 for 30 documentary on the first SEC championship game to think of a time before <laughs> conference title games, because that's, that, that's the closest I can get is watching that and go, I, I can't believe this is such a foreign concept uh, to some of these decision makers to have a conference title game. Cause that's again, what I know, but I, w- I want to get your take on this. If the big 10 uh, were to move away from divisions and it sounds like that's the way things are headed. Uh, what does that mean for Nebraska? And what's your take on, on the conversation as a whole? I don't know. You better ask ESPN and Fox because those are the ones who are going to be making decisions on and coming up with, um, uh, matchups and um, trying to maintain rivalries. You know, the Big 12 made a big mistake in 1994, 95, 96, whatever it was, when they decided, okay, Nebraska and Colorado, you guys are rivals, no more Nebraska-Oklahoma game. Nebraska would still be in the Big 12, in my estimation, if they had just maintained that singular November game. But, no, that, that changed. That was, a, that was a decision that changed the landscape of college football, if you ask me. Um, but you've got to, you've got to maintain some semblance of a rivalry game. Michigan and Ohio state may be the two best, shall you, shall we say in the big 10, but you always have to have them play. You can't say, well, we're not going to have that anymore because, well, this is just the way it's going to work out. I mean, that's, that would, that's like taking away Nebraska, Oklahoma. So you've got to have a tradition, at least one traditional game. And I think the natural one for Nebraska is Iowa. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether Iowa agrees. I think they do. But that's much more of a traditional rival than Nebraska. They keep pushing Nebraska-Wisconsin against each other. But I think you're going to – again, this is just the professionalization of college football. And I said it 20 years ago. I'll say it again. You're going to have 64 teams and a power uh, corporation of college football. And they're going to determine who's going to be in what 16-team regions – and then within that, then you may have you may end up with an eight-team conference within a regional division. So it might end up being where you have seven games against re- divisional regional opponents, just like the old Big Eight, where you'd have four non-conference games, and then you had your conference schedule. They played eleven games, and you played in the bowl game. You may find yourself with seven regional divisional games within your pot of 16 and then you might play a couple of crossover games with other teams in your conference and then you've got to have your money games against you know hyphenated directional schools at the fcs level or something like that 
I think that's where you're going to go. But you may have a regular rotation or a regular schedule where you have seven teams, just like the old Big Eight, seven teams that you play every year because that's who's in your regional division. I, I've been saying it forever. You're going to have a 64-team, 64-school, super regional type thing. May not be tomorrow, but it's going to come. And and so you'll have 16 teams in quads, conferences. Then they're going to be called the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12-ish, and whatever the Pac-12 is going to look like. Well, and they'll all be 16s. Where my mind goes is the, the question of what does this mean for Nebraska? Whenever you look at this, Nebraska with the, the results in the past couple years, uh, every single year we've come into the season saying, well, the Big Ten West is winnable this year if Nebraska does make the jump. Uh, you look at Wisconsin and Iowa and, and Minnesota, and while those teams are good at what they do, none of them, it ever feels like, are a real threat to take down the Ohio States and Michigans of the Big Ten East uh, and go win a, a conference title. And you put Nebraska in the same boat as those ones. And so at the beginning of the year, the, the, the conversation is never, is Nebraska going to be uh, the Big Ten champion this season, uh, at least not recently with what the results we've seen. It's, it's can Nebraska take down Wisconsin this year? Can Nebraska take down Iowa this year and, and make it to the Big Ten championship? And can they win the Big Ten West? And I think the odds of Nebraska to have a successful season, if they have to go up against four or five Big Ten East foes in a year, is, is drastically worse than what they have to do in the Big Ten West in order to make it to a conference title game. I, I don't see Nebraska unless something turns around in the next eight months uh, because it sounds like, the way things are moving, this might be the last season in divisional format that Nebraska is really going to struggle in, in a scenario where they have to go finish only behind Ohio state in the big 10. I don't know. Call your local NIL representative to see how well your team wants to do in the future and compete for conference championships, because that's, uh, th- that's, that's going to be a big part of it. You know, who's, who's all in. And I believe Nebraska and its donors are going to be all in you're going to get that money to get that big building built, and you're going to get it in just ahead of time because once that building is built, then donors are going to go, you know, I'm not quite sure I'm going to fund this, but I'm going to fund him. Well, late, late, volleyball, I'm going to fund her. You know, that's that's the big deal. And so some of these schools that, you know, is Alabama always going to be good in that regard? Probably. Georgia, sure. Anybody in the SEC not named Vanderbilt? Yeah, but, you know, is it you know Indiana had a great year two years ago? What was it the pandemic year? You know, and every, Tom Allen's the greatest coach in the world. They go what one and twelve last year or something? One and eleven? I mean, they had an awful year. How committed is is Indiana to their football program? You're going to go up and down. But if you've got Wisconsin is in and Iowa is in and Nebraska's in, Minnesota, I don't know, Northwestern probably not. So how how? people want to play the game and how much they want to pay and who they want to bring in and how long those kids stay. That's, that's going to be your determining factor as to who your traditional powers are going to be in the future. And if you've got tradition behind you from the past, that's probably going to help you uh, build something down the road. And Nebraska is in that game. Link Kiffin sat down with Sports Illustrated to discuss uh, the same topic. Well, we discussed it a little bit Wednesday. We'll get Bill Bowman's take on that article after the break. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe 
and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman, you taking you through this Friday edition of Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Also had a brief cameo last segment from uh, Ryan Swanigan of 1011 News, as well as uh, Lincoln Salt Dogs. It's Lincoln Salt Dogs playing here locally on ESPN Lincoln at the conclusion of Hail Varsity Radio. I always got to get in a, a little plug for my Salt Dogs. Got to love watching and listening to the Salt Dogs every single summer. You'll hear Ryan Swanigan uh, producing that game for our local listeners here this evening. He walked behind me briefly. I'm not sure... Uh, what he was getting. But if you were checking out on the live stream, that was who checked into the studio. I, I was quite surprised to see Ryan again, just as I'm sure uh, most of you are. But uh, looking forward to another good Salt Dog season as uh, joined here for the show the next 30 minutes by uh, Bill Dolman and by you. Open phone lines 402-466-3776, 402-466-ESPN or 800-825-5865. can also send me a tweet at Herbal Essences on Twitter. And Bill, I believe you're still on the, uh, the old Twitter as well, at Bill Dolman. Uh, is where you uh, connect with Bill Dolman if you hear something you want to tweet about him at. But that is the best way to get uh, in. Uh, let's see connected with a uh, younger person like me is, is Twitter. Twitter is the way to go. Uh, I don't check my email, but once a day. So uh, don't be sending me any emails. Reach out to me on Twitter, uh, text MySpace. message, uh, MySpace, LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, I, I believe my carrier pigeon box is still working in my backyard. So you can send a carrier pigeon or leave us a review on the, uh, the podcast form, uh, Spotify, Apple podcast, YouTube, leave us a review, leave us with your thoughts, good, bad, or ugly. We'll get back to you. And uh, we'll make the show a better product for you. As I was saying, we're Hail Varsity Radio is here for the people. That's why we got Bill Dolman on today. And excited to chat here with Bill Dolman uh, about the story that we discussed uh, on Wednesday. Will Wilson and myself discussed about Lane Kiffin opened up on the, the current world of NIL uh, recruiting and just college football in general with how the game has changed within the past year. And uh, it really felt like. Lane Kiffin, while not being too excited about the direction the, the game is moving in, it's it's one of those things where he said, if you want to have a job, you got to adapt. It's it's, uh, it's adapt to survive is the current name of the game with college football. And that's what we've seen from a school like Texas A&M. That's why Nick Saban was taking shots at them last week with uh, they've were the first to, to start their own collective and start directly paying recruits to, to come into Texas A&M, even though Jimbo Fisher will go hands-off on that one, won't comment on it. We, we know the oil money down in Texas is buying recruits into Texas A&M. That's why they had, what, nine five-star recruits in this most recent recruiting class. And uh, that, that's what the, the purpose of this interview with, with Lane Kiffin was, to, to dive into to SEC football and how they're dealing with the world of NIL. And uh, essentially, it's, it's, a, it's a pro sport without any rules is what the the main takeaway from Lane is, and I'd agree with it. And uh, a point he made was that it's like if the team who won the Super Bowl got the first overall pick every single year with NIL. Oh, you had success last season. You have NIL back in you. Now you have your pick of recruits in the country you want to go recruit and pay money to. And guess what? They're going to come win a national championship with you if you have that money and you already have that success on the field. Uh, so it's it's pro sports without a salary cap is where we're at right now. And, and Bill, I want to get your reaction to the article. I know you were reading it a little bit before the show and maybe a little bit here in the most recent break. Just... It, it was really raw and uncensored from Lane, not saying he was uh, being uh, uh, 
uh, lewd in his comments and his sins, but you, you did get to, to take the tarp off. It wasn't like one of the, the coaches going up in front of a mic and fielding questions from the media. It was a one-on-one sit-down, and it really felt like he got his true opinions on the state of name, image, and likeness. Yeah, and he's listening to the show, too, because a lot of what uh, he said are things that I've said about this whole thing, too, um, and that was coming. I don't think anybody who had any foresight of what it could be saw what is coming or what is happening saw it coming, Mm. Um, even me to a certain extent. But, you know, I I said a long time ago, you know, pro sports does have guardrails, even though you were talking about million. I remember when Oral Hershiser was pitching for the Dodgers, and I believe he became the first million-dollar pitcher in the late 1980s, early 1990s. Million dollars a year. And now you're talking about guys making $50 million a year. Even guys who are in have legal problems, you know, hanging over their head have guaranteed $250 million contracts. But professional sports does have caps. It does have contracts. It does have uh, periods of time in which you cannot, you know, just talk with free agents. And, you know, a guy can't have a great year with, with Oakland or with, with Tampa Bay, and then all of a sudden decide, you know what, I'm I'm going to go to Cleveland or the other way around probably. You know, you've got a contract, and you've got to really kind of honor that contract. Now, you might hold out on your contract, and if you hold out, you're still under contract with that team. And you may sit out an entire year and then it's then a year later, you're a free agent. But you know, the way it typically works now is you hold out, they end up giving you more money and things work out and you end up playing. But professional sports has guardrails to protect the team and, and whatnot. Um, college football right now, you, you, Iowa state, just their basketball, they had the big 12 freshman of the year. Tyrese Hunter, a point guard had a good year last year, gone to Texas. Mm. Right. I mean, this just happened today. And I'm sure that uh, Iowa State's going, wait a minute, we had a really good year last year. We were kind of the darlings of college basketball and with Texas Tech. And and now our starting point guard is going to Texas. How did that happen? There are no there's no guardrails and not that, you know, colleges need to be protected because they're making a ton of money and a lot of them are sitting on billion dollar endowments. But there should be something in place that there has to be a bit of a commitment. You're, you still can make money, but for one year, and I'm going to go to Texas now. Now, if it, you know, if he's done at Texas and he can, I think he could probably leave again. And if it's a one year transfer, but he can go to a different level and still make money and then go to the NBA or whatever he's going to go do. There are there are no guardrails right now in college sports, and I don't know how you put them up because the NCAA is so feckless and so caught off guard by what has been created. I don't know, I you know, where it's it's going to go other than just to keep doing what it's doing right now. Um, I don't disparage the players finally getting a chance to make money on you know their their likenesses and and whatnot, but I I. I I don't know how they're going to rein this in and all of a sudden say, no, you can't do this when they've had a year or two. And by the time they decide what they can't do, it's going to be so ingrained into the system that they are not going to be able to tell people what they can't do. 
unless it's some type of contract with the school. And that's, you know, if you sign a letter of intent, you are there for a year or two. Um, I mean, two or three years minimum. You can transfer out, no penalty, and play immediately. And whatever NIL deal that you have, that's between you and the private entity that's paying you. And if you turn out to be a bust, well, capitalistically, they can say, we're not paying you anymore. You know, I, but at this point, I, I, I don't know how the NCA or anybody is going to be able to say, here are the rules now after four or five years of no rules. Mm-hmm. It's Bill Dolman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Bill, could you see a situation where the NCAA, I mean, they have to walk on eggshells here, essentially, with the fact that the the direction college sports has been moving has been taking power away from the NCAA. And you got to wonder if they come in and, and try to make a, a rule limiting name, image, and likeness, especially among SEC schools. I mean, SEC seems to be the, the most likely to break away from the NCAA. They already sound like they've threatened to make their own version of a, an SEC invitational college football playoff, where if the NCAA makes the wrong move here, makes the wrong people unhappy, it, it could break up the NCAA completely. And that's why my, my question to you is, could you see a situation where they the NCAA even feels like they could put a cap on name, image, and likeness, where they come in and say, like like the rookie scale in the NFL draft, where based on your draft position, and college will be based on uh, maybe your your star level, your your composite recruiting ranking. There's a, a number of NIL money that is that is capped to you. It doesn't feel like that that the NCAA could even make a similar move with with the ramifications that could come. I don't I don't know how they could do that. You know, when when you're talking about professional sports, you're talking about somebody who owns the team. Mm -hmm. Stan Kroenke owns the Rams, owns your abs, owns uh, the Nuggets, whatever Arsenal, uh, owns my esports teams. But you have Jerry Jones owns the Cowboys, so everything has to be done through Jerry Jones' bank account. Okay, I know there's a lot more going on, but when it comes to this NIL. You could have a hundred different businesses in Lincoln alone that are somehow, some way paying money to an athlete for their name, image, and likeness and attaching it to them. Now, those businesses have to be responsible to what they're going to pay somebody, you know, and, and, it, and it could be somebody living, you know, down in the knolls paying a, a five star recruit to mow their lawn for a really exorbitant amount of money. But right now, there are no rules against that. That's the problem is you have, unfortunately, what appears to be a whole bunch of different people with money, different owners, which is a tough word to say, but those are the ones who are paying it. Jerry Jones, Stan Kroenke, whomever, they're the ones that are paying for their franchise, right? They're getting the money from all these places, but they're the ones who have to play and pay within the rules of the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. Right now, the University of Nebraska isn't paying players. Alabama's not paying players. All these other people around the program are the ones who are paying him. And how you rein that in and tell a kid you can't go and get extra money from mowing that yard or eating that burrito, I don't, that's what I don't, I don't know how you rein in those donors unless you say you cannot be involved in any way, shape, or form until they sign on the dotted line you can't have any contact with nil until you have committed and signed with the school but even then it seems like 
that doesn't seem that they could rein that in either. Bill, up against a break here, but dare I say, Hail Varsity Radio talks some auto racing next. Bill Dolman's passionate about it. We're going to get into that. If you've been waiting. Call in. People who are dying to call in and talk auto racing, (laughs) now's your chance. The time is now. We're going to talk that after the break here on Hail Varsity Radio. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back here on a Friday, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman filling in for Chris Schmidt, who has the day off. Just a one-day vacation, though, for Schmidt, as uh, he's going to be checking in tomorrow morning from Kearney for the Saturday morning edition of Hail Varsity Radio 7 to 9 here locally on ESPN Lincoln. And for our listeners across the state, that will be available in podcast form shortly after the completion of the show. Think 9.30 or so tomorrow morning. We'll have that in podcast form as uh, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, and myself, as usual, will check in with Brandon Vogel and Gary Sharp. Get the rewind in as well. That's all coming your way on a Saturday morning, but still about 20 minutes left here of Hail Varsity Radio before we go to some Salt Dogs baseball for our local listeners. And Bill was telling me before the show, we are encroaching upon the greatest weekend of auto racing of the year. And, and being a guy, personally, I follow somewhat NHRA drag racing. I, I love going out to, to Mile High Nationals at Bandemir up in Denver. Uh, just an incredible scene if you've never been. If you've never been to a drag race, uh, great drag races in Topeka as well, but Bandemir is incredible. That's you walk through the pits and you get to see them rebuilding all these engines and testing them in front of you before they go run them on the track. And then the fastest quarter mile in the world is cars are getting up to 300 plus miles per hour. Just ridiculous, ridiculous stuff on, uh, on drag racing. If you've never seen any of the stats, just how fast these cars get and how many G's they pull and how much power one single cylinder creates in those engines. Just ridiculous numbers. But that's my extent of knowledge of auto racing. Occasionally, we'll get out to the dirt track, Eagle Raceway, I-80 Speedway. We'll occasionally get out there and watch those races. But, Bill, you seem pretty invested in the Indy 500 this weekend, correct? It's my favorite uh, thing to do is watch auto racing. And I I love IndyCar. Uh, I love the 500. I love NASCAR. Um I'm trying to get into F1 like so many people are now domestically in the United States and mostly in part because of the uh, the Netflix series. I, I think F1 has, obviously, they have the best machines, but they don't have the best racing. Mm. Uh, but but Sunday is a spectacular day because it's you, you get up and, uh, you know, I'm sorry to my Lord, but, you know, that won't be in church that day but you know you, you've got the you've got the monaco grand prix which which uh, i'll just know. i'll just say the the vistas the views of oh. monaco it's 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 the it's the best race course in the world yeah it it is it and it's it's the sexiest race let's let's oh, face yeah. it the, the it is it has the best vistas and that tight hair i remember when i was a little little kid that's how i first really was just always intrigued by things and seeing that hairpin turn in monaco 
you know, kind of interested in me in, in, in F1 racing and open wheel. And, but the Indy 500, I think the first time I saw the Indy 500, I was about six or seven years old, watch, seeing it late at night on ABC, wondering, what is this? And, you know, 72, 73, and, you know, 73, they had some bad weather and tragedies and, and uh, Sweet Savage, I remember passing away and Gordon Johncock ended up winning. Um, but have followed that forever and, you know, kind of fell in love with NASCAR as a result just to watch more racing. But Sunday when you've got the Monaco Grand Prix followed by the Indy 500, followed by the Coke 600, it is the greatest single day of racing. And for somebody like me, you sit down and you don't get back up until everything is all done again. Um, but uh, the Indy 500 is special. I think it's special for people because it is really Americana on a special weekend, Memorial weekend. Uh, they hold so deeply ingrained to the traditions uh, at the track and the people who have followed it forever have been following it forever. It is the best racing in the world by far. And uh, the track is iconic and massive and uh, it, it's just, a, it's just an incredible spectacle. And I think it's a great day for our country and people, you know, make fun of racing because oh, just a bunch of guys turn the left you know, the, the, the science, the technology, the intricacy of what those men and now women who are involved in designing those cars and how applicable it is to, you know, what you drive on the road today, those are some of the most, the, the most intelligent, in, intuitive, instinctual tacticians operating in any sport anywhere in the world today and you will find them in in auto racing where they can make a millimeter adjustment and get a, a little airplane on a track to go 240 miles an hour is amazing to me well and the fact that that the the innovations you're seeing in these formula one cars these indie cars these nascars that they're making their way down to the consumer which i think is really cool where like uh, Formula One made a, a really concerted effort. All their cars are hybrid now because uh, they think that's the way that, that cars are moving. So they wanted every single Formula One car to have a hybrid element to it so that the technological innovations in Formula One didn't just stay with Formula One. They, they ended up moving them down to, to consumer technology, which I think is super cool. But just a quick side story here. This would have been uh, back in the early 70s where you're talking about the the – Indianapolis 500 marred by some tragedies. I don't remember what year exactly, but um, my grandpa, God rest his soul, he, uh, let's see, won a contest uh, for an all-expenses-paid trip out to the Indy 500, and he was always a, a big auto racing fan as well. Had a, Still has a, a Model T in his garage out in Denver uh, that he was his pride and joy for years, worked on it, beautiful car, loved, loved auto racing and whatnot, and uh, won an all-expenses-paid trip to, to Indianapolis. They woke him up, and he had like a 5 a.m. flight of Denver direct to Indianapolis, first class, and then they sat him in the uh, the infield and VIP seats and got to see the Indianapolis 500, and they, they flew him right back uh, the next day, and he, he liked talking about that day going out and seeing the Indianapolis 500. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Indianapolis 500 has never been something I've been super invested. Can you even tell me who some of the favorites are this weekend in the Indy 500? Well, the Ganassi cars have been phenomenal in okay. practice, and Scott Dixon had the uh, fastest qualifying lap in history, and they've been kissing 240 going into turn one, which is the most difficult turn in all of racing. Uh, so the Ganassi cars with Dixon. Uh, Tony Kanaan was fastest in practice today. Um uh, Jimmy Johnson, who, you know, left NASCAR to pursue his dreams of racing uh, in open wheel and racing in the Indy 500, made it into the final 12 of qualifying last weekend. He's not going to be, wasn't near the pole, but 
Uh, he knows that track and how well he handles traffic at the start of that race will be uh, critical. But I, I appreciate Jimmy Johnson giving it a shot. I think this might be the end of his career. I think that he made the move from NASCAR to IndyCar to perhaps one day race in the 500. He's going to get a chance to do that. I hope he finishes strong. It's kind of like Fernando Alonso coming from F1 a few years back and racing with the Andretti team. Mm. And uh, Alonso had a respectable race. I think he finished ninth and and, and um, got a newfound respect for IndyCar as opposed to F1. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat a Ganassi car. Pato Awards, a young star. Colton Hurt a wreck today for the you know the, the bright young star for the Andrettis. He wrecked today. Was upside down, but you know he's kind of fearless and fun to watch. Uh, Elio Castro Neves winning five would be a remarkable feat. I always kind of root for the AJ Foyt cars because he was always my favorite growing up. I had a chance to meet AJ when I lived in Houston and did a, did a documentary on him, which was a great thrill for me. But it's going to be very difficult to beat the Ganassi cars. And the, the thing that amazes me is nobody's talking about the Penske's at all. But it is a huge victory for Roger Penske, who owns IndyCar, owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And there will be close to 300,000 or more fans at the race on Sunday. So for those of us who hold that near and dear to us on Memorial Weekend, such a special weekend for our country to see Indy with 300,000 people there watching those glorious machines go, it is a great weekend. It's going to be incredible stuff as we're uh, getting to the tail end of a Friday show of Hail Varsity Radio. One last segment coming up, a reminder on the uh, promotion we've got coming your way, uh, and uh, we'll wrap up this show and get you out on your Friday. That's all coming up after the break here on Hail Varsity Radio. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hail Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio one last time here on a Friday, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. If you missed any of the show today, you missed a good one as uh, we were graced by the presence of Bill Dolman today, the pride of Fairbury, joining us for a full show. You're used to hearing Bill Dolman leading off that 5 o'clock hour on Friday, but Bill, uh, nice enough to give us two hours of his time today sitting down with me and tell you what, I've had a blast here today, Bill, as I uh, can't thank you enough uh, as a uh, I mean, Bill, you started your career in Lincoln Sports Radio, the Average Joe's Sports Show, back in 1990. No, no, that was uh, started in 89 with Nebraska TV. We did Average Joe like around 2001, two, somewhere in there, till about 2006 when I got the chance to go work for the Salt Dogs and do baseball every day. So, so 
Bill Dolman, yeah. a, a titan of Lincoln Sports Radio, <laughs> and uh, giving us two hours here today. As, uh, this has been great. Uh, before I get out of here, a quick reminder that nearly 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury in a crash by up to 60%. Uh, your best defense is to buckle up. A message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. Also reach over here and uh, give you a reminder on our Say Aloha to Summer promotion with the help from Super C when a grill tent chairs cooler, portable speaker, and some meat to toss on the grill. Those are the summer essentials right there. Enter to win at ESPNLincoln.com. Also gives you a chance at a $100 Super C gift card contest ends September 6th. So you got some time, uh, but you also got some time to get a whole bunch of entries in there and get yourself some uh, great stuff for your backyard, for the summer, for the pool, for the lake, whatever you want to do. That promotion is your way to do it. Bill, before we get out of here today, let me plug my headphones back in as uh, I'm not going to be able to hear a thing you say if I don't do that. Um, <laughs> Bill, before we get out of here, what is on the docket for you this weekend, aside from watching a glorious day of sports ra- or excuse me, motorsports? on Sunday. I mean, you're talking about the weather being decent out in Denver. Uh, I know I personally going to watch my abs tonight. I'll be out in the baseball diamond tomorrow. I might sneak in some yard work if I can too. Not sure if it's a weekend to get anything on the grill, even though the weather is beautiful for it. Do you have any, any special plans uh, for your weekend? Rugby tomorrow in downtown Denver. And it's, it's big because, uh, and you know, I like to do all kinds of different sports. Um, the United States was uh, awarded the World Cups for 2031 and 2033 on the uh, men's and women's side. Mm-hmm. And so the, this commitment to rugby and, and by uh, some of the folks here in Denver to uh, be the place where they will train and bring in the best of the best to be competitive when those World Cups ro- uh, roll around, that's really been in, within the last year. And so those kinds of athletes are well, going to be on display tomorrow. So it's the highest level of rugby in the United States. Uh, and so we'll be in downtown Denver tomorrow for that. And then all day racing on Sunday. You got any like, food you're going to be throwing on the grill and any special plans for the racing on Sunday, uh, aside from sitting down and, and enjoying just a, a beautiful scene? And Oh, it's a places. steak and Guinness day. <laughs> there's no there's no question about that it, it is a it, yeah sunday will be but probably not in the morning but uh, yeah at some point uh, i'll be like everybody else who will enjoy a good steak on uh this important uh, uh memorial weekend well that'll be good good show today as we had steve mark back in hour one you can check that interview out espnlincoln.com full show will be posted shortly on your favorite streaming service i'm just going to shorten it and say that uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning, <laughs> 7 to 9 ESPN Lincoln, and uh, later in the podcast form. And then we'll talk to you again, the whole state on Monday. Uh, that's when we'll talk to you again. Bill, thank you. Elijah Herbal signing off. Hail Varsity. Thanks, Radio Elijah. See you all. Yep, thank you, Bill. A Huda Media Production.